0: Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Sweet home. Y'all say it with me. Sweet home. We love Alabama. Let's see. We should turn this morning to Acts chapter 2. If you have a Bible, just turn to Acts chapter 2. And if you don't, just raise your hand and we'll get you a B-I-B-L-E. Praise God. I want to minister like uh, Deborah Ann talked about, uh, about owning a revival culture owning, not studying, not uh, observing, not uh, commenting, but owning a revival culture. And I'll tell you this morning, now pay attention to this and then you can do what you will. It's time for the church to have fun. It is time for the church to just be a blast. It's time for us to do it God's way and have a blast. I know that in a lot of churches they have fun because they're going to fun things They're worldly things, they're concerts and they're social events. Uh, I know of one church that they have small groups and they they go to wine bars and they do wine tasting. So they can all say, wasn't that fun? As they wander out the room or whatever. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about natural fun in a churchy setting. In other words, well, we had fun doing worldly things and we were in pews, therefore... It was okay. Well, that's not okay. But it's time for the church to have fun. And revival on earth is fun. You hadn't had as much fun as you had when you got into revival. You don't don't think about something else more fun than revival when revival comes. So we're going to change our culture. Point to yourself and say, change it. Do it now. You can do it. All right, Acts chapter 2, let's look at what revival looks like in the Bible, what what the Word says about itself. It says in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, so it might have had to be ramped up there, but when it was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now we can do that too. Well, how's it gonna happen? Is the Holy Ghost gonna come in here and smack us all and we're all gonna lay on the floor and we'll all be in one accord? It's a choice, it's a decision. It's it's acting on revelation. Now I don't care if Lisa or or Jonathan or Lynn, I don't care if they get into into one accord. I'm gonna be in one accord with him. The Lord he's our mark. We're not looking around saying, Who who can I be in with? We're gonna say, Lord, I'm gonna get in one accord with you. And when everybody makes that decision, then we're all in one accord. Amen. Look in verse, uh, let's go on and see how this ends. uh, Verse 41. And then they that gladly received his word. So there was a lot of preaching going on there. They were baptized and the same day there was added unto them about 3,000 souls. So there's a distinctive fruit from revival a revival culture, and they continued steadfastly, say steadfastly, Steadfast. now that's more than an occasional glance, and of one time going to church, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship, and breaking of bread, and in prayers, we could stop right there and say, what's in revival culture, well those are four elements there, and, they, and fear came upon every soul, all came, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, How many would be interested in that kind of revival culture? Signs and wonders done by the folks. And all that believed were together and had all things in common. Wow, they they got a little less uh, possessive. Must be that they figured out there's plenty more where that came from. I got to hold on to what I got because this is the end of all I'll ever have. Well, you don't know that there's plenty more where what you got came from. Plenty more. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them uh, to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, there are some elements of culture, did eat their bread with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people and that Lord added to the church daily as should be saved. Well, yeah, yeah, I want that. How come do I want it? Well, I think we ought to, when you go to a buffet, you know the problem with a buffet is that you want one of everything. And so if you get behind the person that's going to make that their goal, I'm going to get one of everything. You know, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. And they pick up a tomato with their tongs and turn it, put it down, and go over to another tomato and turn it, and finally they find one and put it on their plate. And you're back there, i got, I got to get this. Well, that's what we ought to do is, Leave this earth, whether it's sooner or later, having tasted revival in our lives. We ought to go to heaven and be able to talk with people that said, did you have revival? And sure did. Let's talk about that. Versus just, did you go to church or did did you believe? Culture, we found out, is the way of life of a group of people. It's the way a group of people do things. That's culture. So it's a bent. It's we all breathe. We all pump blood. We all walk. We all look and hear. But the way we do things is our culture. And so I was thinking about different cultures, like even in America. And you know that there's a different culture between the eastern seaboard and the Midwest. Would you all say that was, that's different? You go, well, people are people. And they are, but we learn By drinking and living in our culture, we take that on. And so you'll have an accent in your almost all your life based on where you learn to talk. If you learn to talk in the South, it's quite a bit different than those Bostonians. Boston. (laughs) And you go, how come they talk that way? Well, the same reason we talk our way. And I used to go to other states and they'd say, say something. Northern states, say something. There's the northern and the southern U.S. We have different cultures. Minnesota and Alabama, we're different. Uh, We have different cultures between black, white, Native American, Asian, and Hispanics. We all go to work, we all eat groceries, we all go to sleep, but we do things different. It's our culture that makes us different. So culture is learned. And when you move out of the area where you learned your culture, you want to take your culture with you. I remember when we first moved from Texas. This was wrong. This was so wrong. But we were so proud to be in Texas. We, we were so Texan. You know, Texans, they resent it when people think they're just a state. They think they're a whole other country. And they advertise themselves as that. And so Texas, just they think they're just hot stuff. Well, I did because that was my culture. It's not that I'd never even experienced Alabama, but uh, Alabama has had a reputation of having an inferior culture, an uneducated, unambitioned uh, uh, culture. But it was all—it was all lies. Just like Texans have a reputation for having horses and oil wells and all that stuff. Well. Uh, We moved here, and so I had that culture on me, and I was a little obnoxious about it. I wasn't just talking about it all the time, but if it came up, I was sure to tell them how we did it in Texas. Nobody in Alabama appreciated that. I was educating them and letting them know things they didn't know, and no one cared about it. Well, now I say, and it's not absolutely true, but I say, I was born and raised in Alabama. This is my home. This is my culture. And I've completely... I know more about Alabama than most people that were born and raised here because I, I'm studying my culture. So we have a different culture between spiritual people, churchgoers, as it were, and carnal people or sinners. We have different things, what we do on the weekend. <laughs> what we want to do every evening. What, you know, recovery time from what we did on the weekend. Uh, uh, we have different uh, cultures. And I told you when, Wednesday... That the American church is generally become a reflection of the culture that the church is in. Now, that'd be easy because the people that come in to a church are in a culture. They're, they don't come in and say, click. I clicked off my southern culture, my Alabamian culture, and now I'm in church. But on the other hand, we don't think like our culture in America, or we should not think. We should think differently. And I've noticed, maybe you have too, that now it seems like our churches, especially the bigger churches, but all churches generally, have taken the culture of the nation and brought it into church. We have rock concerts in the world, which we didn't have. When I was just married, we went to Ronnie Millsap and Charlie Pride. I mean, doody doodle doo. But now that's not the kind of concerts you go to. And I'm afraid, I can tell you, I'm not old enough to get to go to these concerts. But the church has become, and the church has, uh, uh, has uh, acquiesced to the world to have a short attention span. Because our culture is based on commercial uh, uh, spans between uh, commercials on our TV programs. So people just click off after so much time because they're used to that culture. So in church, we just preach 15 or 20 minutes. We meaning them, not me, because we're trying to we're trying to form, uh, conform to the world's culture, the American culture, the Southern culture, and make the church where we are pleasing to them, where we reflect our we reflect their culture, their pleasures, their annoyances, their habits, where we just we just mold in around them, and then we pretend to say, but our message is different. But your message is your culture. Amen? And so you, you can't do that and be successful. Yet, yet our American church culture is exactly that, and the churches have declined dramatically because of our culture being brought into the church. But I just read you in Acts where that culture was not a reflection of their day, They wouldn't have wrote about it if it was. They'd have just said, well, we did what we've been doing for 30 years. No, they talked about an infusion or a difference in culture that the church had taken on because the Holy Ghost had come. He brought a new culture. The day of Pentecost was fully come, it says. And when it came, which was a regular feast day, God poured out. God poured out. And the church was never the same after that unless it... Threw that off and went back to the world culture. so here at River church, we have we are uh, we are pulling to remain or even increase in a re- revival culture, even though the world's not in revival, uh, all the other churches, not all, but certainly many, the most, have taken on a sedate culture, a pleasing to the people culture. Because that's how you fill up your churches. You, you're as pleasing as you can be to them, and so they gather. But I'm here to tell you this morning that church is not an institution. It's not a teaching center. It's not a club. It's the family of God. It's the church. And so when you go into the Boy Scouts, you expect to see boys. And go into the Girl Scouts, you expect to see girls. Well, you ought to expect that when you go into a re- not, re- revival culture, we ought to see revival. And so you go, well, but I'm from the world all week long. I'm working with these worldly people. I'm selling them products. I'm uh, I'm buying their stuff. And we, we transact and we interface. And, and they're all worldly and they're all of the world, even if they're born again. How can I come into church and just turn off the world and turn on? Well, you can't. You have to turn it on and leave it on and come into the congregation and just rehearse and express and witness and testify of who you are that we all put our log on the fire and we burn together we don't turn it off well i'm in church i'm out of church now i can i can act like the world well that's what everybody does but that's not what god wants so this right here is revival culture we just read a, a small part, but if you read the whole book of Acts, you'll find out that that is a reflection of what God wants in His church. And in the end days, the days that we're in right now, the Lord is going, there's going to be a burst here at the end of some kind of revival, a renewal, or, an awakening. It's honest, and He's preparing us for that. Now, not everybody is preparing. But not everybody has a fire extinguisher at their house. Not, not everybody teaches their kids how to swim. Not everybody teaches, the, you know, a lot of people don't do a lot of things that they should to prepare for the future. Do you know of things that your folks just never got around to that you wish that you knew, wish that you had? And it's like, they, they, they missed it. They didn't, they didn't prepare me for that. Well, the church right now is not preparing us, generally speaking, for what is and what is coming. You go, well, what is? Well, you might not recognize what is if you weren't in the culture of what is. You might say, well, there's no revival going on, but actually in South America, they're booming it. In Brazil, it is just wild-eyed. South Korea has been that way. South Korea is more Christian than America, generally speaking. And in Africa, all over the world, there's spots. Where it's just be poured out in South America, uh, gold dust is falling from the ceilings in church services all the time. They've documented. you go, well, I hadn't heard about it. That's because it's not popular in our culture to talk about things that we have not experienced and that we've not been prepared for. Well, we got to stop it. Wh- whatever all the whole church world does, Godspeed. But we don't have to conform with that. We can conform with this. But it's intentional. It's not like, well, we'll just jazz it up a little bit, and as we go, somebody might catch something. It's got to be the message. It's got to be the the intent, the destination. The journey may go this way or that way, but we have to be going someplace that's lined up with this. And you can't read the book of Acts, and and the rest of them for that matter, the correctional uh, epistles that uh, Paul and Peter and John wrote, James, you can't, you can't read them and not feel like or understand that we're not getting that right now, and we should be. So what happens to most of the church is they're waiting on God. If God wants us to have revival culture, He will do it. But we know that's not how it works. It's up to me. I healed, God will let me go to hell. If I don't get saved, if I don't choose Jesus, I, He won't just say, I'm, I'm in control, I'll take care of that. We'll just zip you out of line and sneak you around. It, it, no, that's, where, that's it, isn't it? You can, you can live your whole Christian life without the baptism and the Holy Ghost. You can live your whole Christian life and not believe, not understand, certainly not experience that God's the healer today. Well, I don't see it much. You've got to be in a revival culture. And so what we have is we have exposés of that. We have revivals that pop up here and there, like the Pensacola Revival, the Brownsville Revival, and uh, the, the, the Kansas City. We have pop-ups there, and we go, that's an event. And what it's trying to do is it's trying to latch on and become the mainstay or the, the, uh, the fallback, the culture uh, for the whole church. But we resist it. We're, we, we can't go to church three nights in a row. Why? Because our culture is maxed out in the world. We are all doing everything we can to fill up our lives or to, to service our filled up lives, and there's nothing left over for the Word. There's nothing left over for fellowship, relationship. There's nothing left over for waiting on God because we have let the culture of our world, which is wide open saying, come join this and come be that, and would you like to learn kayaking? Would you like to learn needlepoint? Would you like to learn bungee jumping? Sure, 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 sure. Would you like to get a motorcycle? Yeah, count me in. And there's nothing left over because we've been at the buffet of the world, and we're stuffed by the time we get to the end of it. There's nothing left. And so we bow out. Well, I can't go to church every night. And it's on all of us. It's on me. It's on you. It's on all of us that says, I'm not conditioned for that, I'm not strong enough for that, I'm not, I, I don't have time for that, I don't have the emotional sense of, uh, of commitment to be able to do that. And so we, we bow out, and the culture then returns to its old. How be it may upgrade a little bit, but, but it ebbs and flows. You all know what I'm talking about. You sense it. We all, we don't, nobody has to tell us this stuff. We might define it from the pulpit, but actually we all know the elements are there, however they fit. So um, being a big church, we could do that. Now listen, I'm not the smartest, the sharpest knife in the drawer, as they say. But I'm smart enough to mimic and to imitate, and I can figure out if, how to buy a smoke machine and a light show. And uh, I can cut this thing back to 15-minute little sermonette. And we, I can do everything that they do to get a big church. But why bother? They're everywhere. Why be, be one of them when they're so much better at that than I am? I, that's not even me because I don't have that culture. And I don't have the culture that says to be, to be uh, noticed or to be affirmed, I have to have a big church. Used to be, and it's the worst thing that can that you can say. You'd walk into a room of pastors, or or maybe not. And the first thing, like men, when you walk into a room of men, what they always say is, "What do you do?" That's what men say. You know, women may say something else, like how many kids you got, or well, I don't know what women say. What do y'all say? <laughs> you married? <laughs> but but uh, for pastors, they ask you. This is the question: How many? Are you running that is that's the exact phrase how many are you running and you're it doesn't matter if you're handsome tall uh, a Bible scholar you're no better no bigger no more uh, worthy than how many you're running and so it makes pastors lie they lie they lie and say ah we're running about this many well that happened Centuries ago, and you were you were feeding you had ribs and and uh, yeah Fried chicken that's how come you had that many and they just lie. They just lie because it's a standard It's like I want to be accepted But they're all lying Everybody in the room's lying (laughs) so So it's got to end or you know it never got started with me I have, I'm in a culture of wanting to please God instead of pleasing men. We could have written that down and said, here's two cultures, man-pleasers or God-pleasers. And we're all tempted to be the other every, all the time. We're tempted to be God-pleasers. We're tempted to be man-pleasers. I am not doing very good on this. So uh, a revival culture is something it's not ebb and flow it's not like well we're having a we always at our church we always have a week of revival the last week of august and now we always do it it's not that revival culture is just like your other culture southern southeastern alabama whatever culture you're in it's embedded there's a root of it in here and that's who you are. It's not what you do, it's not what you have. It's who you are and therefore that's what you do and therefore that's what you have. But it's the root, it's identification. It's who you are. Well, to get that, to do that, you have to be marinated. You got to be immersed. It's got to be in a place where everybody is pulling for it. You know, at your house, everybody may pull like mama fix us Thanksgiving dinner, it's our culture. And so Mama, you know what she's got to do? She's got to tool up and buy a big bird, because that's, that's your family culture. But a lot of people don't have a Thanksgiving big meal culture. They did never have it. They don't, uh, don't know anybody, and so it's not their culture. So the day of, of the, thir- the fourth Thursday in November passes different for different people based on their culture. Well, we have to have everybody in agreement. To have a culture, you can't just say, I I'm in. Well, you'll be a culture unto yourself, perhaps, but it's hard to keep it going. There's a r- real fight. But nobody minds coming into a meeting where things are hopping, where people are expecting, where they're anticipating, What's God going to do today? I don't know. there's a wheelchair over there. Maybe that's it. Let's sit over by the wheelchair. We well, should be. And I am not blaming you. I'm not blaming anybody. It's got to start. And it starts with proclaiming it, defining it. It starts with, with bringing the, the word, saying what happened in Acts should be what's happening now. And I, I got off subject, but that this, this revival that's coming is going to be a repeat of the book of Acts. You go, well, how come God's coming around? He never intended us for to come off the track. We were supposed to be this all the way, but we've been the devil and religion and and liturgy, all these things. The Dark Ages, where you kick God out. Well, we kick God out of our schools, we're out of prayer. We're trying to kick him off the Supreme Court. We're trying to kick him off. We're trying to kick him out of our American culture. And then that culture comes into the church building and says, Well, we're the church till 1205. And then I got to get me a smoke. And we got to get to the racetrack. See, so you go. That's carnal. That's not. That's not even church. That's a business decision. That's a. That's uh My 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 wife made me come. Decision. It's also I got to do this for the kids. It's everything but what it should be. But we can't just say I'm going to church and be accounted well. God, it's my it's the the certain denomination. They term Sunday as their Sunday obligation. And so it's kind of like God's taken role. Well, you know how you did it in college. After role was taken, you tried to slip out. <laughs> you know, and you had to slip out. Or, or whatever people do. I'm just going to assume. So uh, uh, the U.S. church has not been, they're a reflection of the world, but we have a choice to be a reflection of the Word, but we will be fighting the world culture because it's embedded in all of us. It's, it's in us. It's We're surrounded by it. We're talked to about it. We hear it all the time. Uh, a compromise is totally on the minds of everybody. Ah, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. That's against the church culture. And it's true, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but you do have to go to church to be a strong Christian. You go, well, I found a way around that. No, you didn't. It's programmed in. You don't have to be married to live with somebody and enjoy all the benefits of marriage, except you don't get all the benefits of marriage. There are some things that are reserved for marriage that you can't get in all those other things. Security, for one thing. Acceptance, whatever. So I'm going to start this. I want us us to start to talk for a number of weeks, however long it takes, uh, about getting a conviction, not just a preference. We all prefer to have revival. Wouldn't you prefer to come in this morning and everybody's just rocking? What's God going to do? Signs and wonders and demonstrations, and let's talk about what happened last week. Everybody prefers that, and they'll all go to a dinner that you will host if you say, we're having, we're having ribs and mashed taters at our house tonight, expect the crowd, expect everybody to say, I, I had time for that. So everybody's willing to have a preference to have a revival, but it can't be sustained by preference. It takes a conviction. It takes a deep-seated, this is who I am. Who I am. Who I am. I can't, I can't breathe without a revival culture it takes that. Does it cost anything? Everything. It costs, it, it costs everything. Well, I'm really not into everything for revival culture. I'd really rather just, you know, how much do you have to do to get saved? How? What's? Where's the line to go to heaven? I'm interested in that. Well, there's a line. Get born again and you, you disappear. You can. Now, people don't like it, but... You, if you get genuinely born again, if you if you receive the Lord Jesus in your life, you don't lose it. You're in the family. Now, I can tell you, at the reward seat of Christ, like Joe Morris says, they start looking for rewards. Wood, hay, and stubble, they may look over there and see a huge explosion, a bonfire, and go, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> and you go, oh, that's Johnny Bob. Oh, we know what he did. He got saved, and then he, he went off into the woods. So, yeah, there's that side, all the rewards. You don't, have to be, you don't have to do anything to go to heaven, but you have to do a lot to get a reward in heaven. You go, well, I'll just skip that. You wouldn't if you knew what was over there. That's another day. We won't talk about that. So I want to talk about the elements of a revival culture. They're arbitrary. They're not listed in the Bible. They're not anything. But you can take the word, especially in Acts, and you can begin to distill what the church did that made them have a revival culture, and we can go and do likewise. And so that's what we're going to do. And I, I talked about uh, last Wednesday about the, re- the culture of family. Say family. Ah, i us say it better. Family. Now you you may have a bad taste in your mouth about family, if you were raised in the, in a world that uh, the family didn't matter, or the family was fragmented, or your dad left when you were two, and your mom had sixteen kids by herself, she's raising you. All of us have a different experience of family. You weren't in a Christian home, or you were, or you were in Pentecostal, or you were in whatever. Your 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 concept, your experience of family is different than mine. Just because we didn't have the same family, but on the other side, you can be three kids in the same family, and be firstborn, middle child, or baby, and and that would change the dynamic. And then you'd have the firstborn, mom and dad were there, and then dad went off to the whatever, and the second, it, you can't even say it's, I had the same parents. We have the same experience, the same culture, or family. We all have a different mindset, and so what we bring into the church or into revival culture is we bring in the the status quo of what we experienced in our life and if you had a sorry daddy and and there are many sorry daddies out there they they made a baby but they didn't maintain a baby y'all know it's easier to get one than to keep one (laughs) and so they they're not interested in father god because their their whole thing about a father is he's a slacker he doesn't keep his word. He's not here. He makes promises and then he blows off. And he, I, I'm not interested in a father, the head of the family, that's like that. Well, we have to change your mind. You have to change your mind. Because, yeah, we, we all had parents that messed up. We're all parents that did mess up. Gosh, I look back and go, I could have done better. But now you can't do better. Because they're full grown, and you can't go back and fix it. You can't even repent of it, really, and, and whatever. So uh, a, a family is what it's not. It's not an organization. It's not an institution. It's not a teaching center. It's not a club. Now, it'll have the elements that are good in those four things, or others. It'll have elements of that, social. We have social interaction in the family that we got in other things and whatever. But the family, the the institution of family, is not those things. And you go, well, that's kind of redundant to say. I'm telling you, a lot of people go to church because it is that thing to them. That's what it's that's what it's portrayed, announced, and bannered as, and that's what they go for. And they they're not going for family. They're not going for family. They're not going for revival. They're doing their Sunday obligation. Or, I got it, my kids are wild-eyed. I got to get them in the Wednesday night youth group. Or whatever. A myriad of, of answers. So turn with me to Romans chapter uh, 1, if you would. Let me show you that church revival is a family. Romans chapter One. Yes. It's a family. It's a family. You go, well, let's all be family. (laughs) It's not a one and done decision where you all say, yeah, I signed me up for the family. Tomorrow we're still signed up. Well, I'm busy tomorrow, too busy for family. And I want family that's perfect. I want family that does unto me as I do unto them. I want family that's faithful and true. I want family that'll sit down and talk to me and tell me how good I am. That's not family. I mean, I hope that it's a, you got some of those things sprinkled, but that's not family. It's not the way my family was raised. It's not the way yours was raised. It, that's the ideal. And in the kingdom, you can have the ideal, but you have to have it by faith. You gotta be what you want until you can have what you want. In other words, you gotta sow family. I'm waiting on the family to come look after me and take care of me. Nobody calls. Nobody cares. I go to church and nobody says, hey. I, they don't. They don't. They don't. They don't. Welcome to the American church. Welcome to everybody's experience. And if you're social and you're gregarious and you're the life of the party, that wouldn't be you, but it'd be because of you, not because others. If you ever just were an introvert, a reticent person, uh, you're going to find it can be lonely out there. You go, I'm tired of the church, and lots of people are. There are more backslid Christians in Tuscaloosa County than there are unsaved. It's like, ah, nobody knows Jesus in this county. No, everybody's been burned by a member of the church in this county. We all have experience with pastors, with elders, trustees, deacons, or just someone that says, I'm a Christian. And they let us down, and they did. But here's the other news. You've let down somebody that you didn't know, see what you did or didn't do, and, and they're disappointed with the whole thing because of You. And me. And so you can't say, you know, it's it's up to them. It's up to you. If you want a revival culture, and you want to get it through family, which you can't have it without, you've got to be family. I'm preaching real good, y'all. I'm liable to get on a roll here. Hallelujah. Romans 1, 7 says, Grace to you and peace from God our... Can y'all say it? Father, Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So every family has a... Father. In the Old Testament, God was not the Father. You understand, He was not the Father in the Old Testament. He was God, Yahweh, uh, um, what's that other, Jehovah, and then there's another one that uh, I'm going to look it up just because I can. Uh, Elohim. <laughs> he was all those things. <sighs> because they weren't born again, so they weren't a part of anybody's family. Jesus told uh, a group of people, he said, you are of your father the devil. So it wasn't God the father, so we have a father. Look in, uh, turn to Romans chapter 8, right there, slip slip east into verse 29. It says uh, in verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, to be, to be conformed to the image of his son. Well, the family has a son. Now here the word son means children. Right. N- don't say, well, where's us girls? You're in that word son. Son is progeny. Son are, are children. To be conformed to his image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. brethren. Well, a family has Brethren. We have siblings. It's not just me and the Lord Je- and the, the Father. It's me and the Lord Jesus and the family. And the Lord Jesus even there in, in John, 1 John, it says, as he is, Jesus, so are we. So we're not like, well, he's, he's God. No, he's a brother. He's just the firstborn. He's the first among equals. But Jesus is your brother. You go, ah, oh, that's blasphemy. That's heretical. It does sound like it. You find out how willing God is to come down and be with us. In John chapter uh, fourteen, Jesus said, uh, I, "I go and prepare a place for you, and that you may be where I am. That where I am, ye may be also." He wants to be with us. He was on. He was with us on earth. They rejected him, but he came as the the Son, the firstborn of the Father, and. Uh, I'll just read this one in 1 John 5, verse 7. It says, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And so the Godhead is in such unity that you can actually experience God by any one part of this and, and, and have a glance at, at uh, one of the three, but you only see the one. He is in such unity and such accord, such agreement that you don't see, ah, that was the son, or that was, yeah, that's technically it, but they all look the same. It's all one. Well, that's the model for the church. That's the model for the family. That when I see Deborah, when I see Wendy, when I see Lynn, I see the church, I see the family. And we're like, if you can get it from one, you can get it from everyone. Well, let's go over here and get them because they're, there, there are more. Or it's not supposed to be that way. Well, you've seen one. You've seen them all. Yay. So we can't go by feelings. If you're born again, you cannot live by your feelings. Because your feelings will per- betray you. Your feelings will tell you. Here's what feelings will tell you. You are what you did. Well, I, we all come up short. If you are what you did... If if heaven could show the video, we would all just melt and slide into the drain because we've all done, but that's not who we are. That's what the devil will say, but I'm not what they say I am. I'm who he says I am. So I was remade. I was rebirthed. I was refathered from above, and I did those things, but I'm not what I did. I'm who he made me. Well, that's the family. So we can come in here, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Be be convicted felons, and be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You go. How's that family? That's family. We pay no attention to that stuff, that junk, that history. We pay no attention to that. Jesus is our brother, and we we just say, who do we follow? Follow the big brother. Be like him. First uh, Thessalonians, Thessalonians four eight but God who hath also given his Holy Spirit. So here we are. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. What a day. So I can't go by my feelings. I can't even go by my rationale. We have too many smart people in the family. We need to all be more like me, a little dumber than than smart. You know, just like, I don't know. So I'll go ask the Lord Jesus and he'll tell me that's smarter than smart. So we don't have a rationale. Well, I figure because of this and that, that this is that. You, you figured wrong. The family is different than that. So here we talk about this Wednesday. I'm, I'm hurrying. God's order. Say God's order. What is God's order? God's order is submitted authority powered by love. We're all the same, but, but he invests authority in us That worketh by love so I'm not lording over you you're not lording over me but one of us is in charge in every single you don't have three kids and put number two in charge of the family and said well you're you're equal to all of us we're all family we're all the same and Junior said let's buy more (laughs) (laughs) M&Ms let's go get ice cream (laughs) well that's you're not in charge So we have someone in charge. But God's order, His government, excuse me, God's government is, which is His way of doing business. Listen, listen. His way of doing business. How does God do business in the earth? It's called family. And that's where you blow everybody off because they don't like that. They like God to be in charge. I've heard that so much the last three or four weeks. God's in control. <laughs> we sing songs that just... God can move mountains. Ah, He's not moving that many mountains right now. Well, matter of fact, He's not moving any mountains. Who's moving the mountains? I am. You are. Jesus didn't say... Uh, uh, Tell God to move the mountain. He said, you talk to the mountain. Be removed. Be thou cast in the sea. Does not doubt in his heart that you can move mountains. But believeth those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Well, that's not God's in control. Listen, if God's in control, here it comes. A rapist, you can't do a thing about a rapist or a murderer. God's in control you can't judge him you can't remove him for society you can't prosecute him you can't lock him up because God's in control nobody believes it they just don't play it out past one or two dots and so where it's handy but when it gets unhandy they they just change the subject God's not in control now he he was in control and I'll tell you during the 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 tribulation the, the, the age of grace will be over. That's called rapture. <laughs> when we go up, the age of grace is over. The church age is over. And let me tell you what's going to happen. God is in control. Because he owes one week or seven years back to the old covenant to the people. And what, who was in charge back then? He was. And you're going to see, you will see a committee. And you won't see people speaking in the mountain during that time. God will do whatever He wants to. But until then, it's you and me. And if you, you know, we talked about it the other day, why didn't God judge Nazi Germany for killing six million Jews? Why didn't He? Because He's not in control. Matter of fact, Germany, we helped them and they got back on their feet and they've been pretty blessed. You go, why, what's that? That's not fair. The church didn't take care of the Nazis. And God couldn't, so they rolled. Hmm, how about that? That'll change your theology completely. God's not in control right now. Now, He's in control of heaven. He says who comes to heaven and who doesn't come to heaven. He, He has all the rules in heaven. In heaven, this is how it is, and you don't get your way, and you can't speak to any mountains in heaven. But there's no devil there. There's no flesh there. There's no sin there. So it's okay. Well, where was I? Praise God. Uh, I found a scripture this morning as I was in my office, and I'm just going to read it to you. It's in Ephesians. Barry doesn't even have this one. It's Ephesians chapter 5. Let me read this to you. I liked it. It says in chapter 5, verse 2, it says... uh, Well, verse 1, be therefore followers of God as dear children. Then it says, and walk in love. So he says, as children, walk in love. And what that means is that (laughs) you delight in other people's lives. Point yourself with me and say, hey, you. you. Delight Delight. in other people's lives. Well, I'm real busy right now, Lord, delighting in my life. I'm trying to scratch out a little living, and I'm trying to raise three kids, and I'm—I got a boss that's cranky, and and uh, the car's broke, and I'm real busy, Lord, to be thinking about anybody else. Well, that's why nobody's thinking about you. You got to be family if you want to have family. Everybody knows what a black sheep in the family is, don't they? That may not be a popular term now, I don't know, but, but we all know it's someone that doesn't fit. Someone that doesn't play by the family rules. And we don't like them. They're goaty. They're goaty. You know what goats do? They butt. They disagree. They carry your laundry off and chew on it <laughs> in the backyard. You don't like goats. God, God's, you know, he tolerates them and we all tolerate Goats. Don't be a goat. Okay, i got to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Help me, Lord Jesus. I told everybody we'd be out by 2 o'clock, and I'm, I'm crowded here. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We read this verse. We're going to read it again because we're talking about family. Family, family, family. The culture of revival is family. It's not just me. Now, you know you didn't choose this Family. You know you you can leave any time this family if somebody that you don't like irritates you you can you can up and go to the house But you know you didn't choose your natural blood family either and lots of people get up and go to the house (laughs) I've been tempted not every day but well yeah every day (laughs) go to the house So you don't really have a choice here. It says in 1 Corinthians 4, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, talking about institutions, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you, Paul says, through the gospel, wherefore I beseech you be followers. The word there is imitators of me. So be a big brother, be a big sister. So somebody that comes into the family, they're not just listening to pastor rattle on and preach loud and whatever they can sit next to you and they can be an imitator of the lord jesus by being an imitator of you because jesus is not in this room physically bodily who is we are but we're he's he's our older brother and we've been imitating him so they can sit there and imitate us and it'll be huh the same If they imitate us, it'll be the same as imitating Jesus, because we're imitating Jesus. That's family. All of us know that we're little brothers and sisters, how much we learn from the oldest. Good and bad. Well, that's the way it's supposed to be in the kingdom. In the family, in the natural family, we have marriage. And when a a man pursues a woman, she lets lets him catch her sometimes. And he asks her to marry him. And in the agreement, the marriage agreement, we're talking about ideally, she takes on his name. She was a Jones girl, but now she's a Smith girl because she took on his name. What does that mean, and why do we do it? Because it becomes family. She takes on his name because she identifies with him. His values, his judgment, his ability to provide, to protect. And he then provides to her supply, and he guides, guards, and governs. He brings security and protection to the union, She takes on his name, so she's not Lord over him, but he loves her as Christ loved the church. And like we are, Jesus is our firstborn among many brethren. He becomes not the head of the marriage, but the head of the union. And so that means he's got to find out God's will because he's got to bring it back while she's changing diapers and cooking and and taking care of him. He's got to go find the will of God. How else is he going to supply? How else is he going to guide or guard or govern? And so they come together, and they're equal. They're, they're the same. They're equal. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, because I'm not saying anything other than they are equal. But she does get, he does give her his name. And if you ever find a relationship where she won't take his name, she didn't take him. Well, oh, I, I might get some flack for that. <laughs> but it, there's something wrong. There's just something that's not right, and so you have that. But then they come together, and they become a union, and then they bring in a family. Not always. You don't have to have children to get in the family, but the purpose that the Word says is for us to be joined to each other is to be fruitful and multiply, to make a family. We embrace one another. We come under one another and nurture one another in a marriage, and we bring forth a family. And the family then brings life back to the marriage. And then hopefully they'll all leave and cleave. (laughs) You go find you a girl. You go find you a husband, whatever. But my point here is, is the family, we're talking about family in the church, the family is the place of trust. The family is the place of security. And if you don't marry him, you know, you can have all the elements of marriage, You know, you split the groceries and split the utilities and split the rent and, you know, whatever. You clean this bathroom this month and I'll clean that one. You, You can split it all up. But you don't have safety and you don't have trust. My word is what we give and your word is what you give. But if we ever take back our word, it's over. But not if you're married. We have his word. And we are bonded to something bigger than either one of us in ourselves. So have you been burned by a mother or a father? Oh, I can tell you things, stories about my folks that would, you know, curl your hair. Not really, not really. My parents never drank, never smoked, never cussed. They never did any of the bad things. And I didn't. I never drank or never smoked, never cussed. Well, I did say blast. That was my Christian cussing. But, but that's not the case of most people, and I'm not, I'm not saying that my folks were perfect, far from it. But we did get born again, and I'm really grateful for my folks doing that. But a lot of people have a lot of problems with their father because he didn't do right. We'll, we'll lean in. You say, well, my father was perfect. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He just did the best he could, like you're doing the best you can. But my point is, is that we try to transfer our bad experience with a father or mother to God in the family. Because we don't want to get burned again. We, we had to go through that upbringing, unless they took us away from our parents and gave us to Uncle Joe and Aunt Sally, uh, or whatever. But otherwise, we had to endure that. But bless God, we're not going to go through that again. No church family or nobody else. We're not going through that again because I've been burned. And we've all been burned, like I said, by a pastor, an elder, a deacon, somebody burned. I told you all the story one time. I went to the Toyota house in Hobbs, New Mexico, and I saw the deacon's pickup right there, so I pulled in because I thought I might talk to him. And there was a big old cold six-pack of beer. Now you go, what is the big deal about that? Well, not now, but back then it was a big deal. Us Baptists didn't drink. Y'all don't know about what I'm talking about? And, and, and Baptist deacons sure didn't drink. We didn't dance either. <laughs> the church of Christ us didn't dance. But my point is, is you've got to get past the burns and the hurts and the, and the shortfallings of your upbringing. Because you'll just multiply it if you don't join a family. And if you don't throw in with a family, you can't fix what's wrong with you. Because you can't go back and fix that, but you can fix it now. Because Jesus will fix everything that's wrong in your upbringing. You go, well, it wasn't perfect. Nobody's was. But when you get born again, woo-hoo, you get born again. Well, I was abused. Well, my daddy left us when we were this way. Or I had to quit school at third grade and do that. We all have a story. Don't want to hear your story. We all have a story. We all have a story. I was adopted and they, this, that, and that. Everybody's got a story. Jesus is the answer to our story. And so whatever situation you're in it's irrelevant how the details are what is relevant is that Jesus changed our story and he came in and he's more than enough not just enough not just meeting up and flushing up he's more than enough and your cup runs over with Jesus and your past does not matter anymore your your erasing doesn't matter and then he gives you a family that is not perfect but they're all in union because of Jesus to be perfect to be mature, to walk in it, to imitate Jesus and bring a, a model for somebody else. That's what we want. And it doesn't matter if we're not perfect, because people are always saying, well, we're not perfect, but we're saved. Oh, give me, gag me with a spoon. That's just, that's not it at all. That's an excuse to be, to say, I'm, I'm a worm, I'm dirt, I'm no good. We're not not no good. But what we have is, is everybody's pulling. My family wasn't all pulling the same way. was yours. They didn't even know how to pull. They didn't even know what to grab to pull. But they had a sense of morality and ethics, and and my grandmother had influence, and we got through it, and I'm blessed. But I will tell you now, we're all just going to have to pull. And one thing that keeps us all in unity is this pulpit. We don't put up with any messing around. You go, we don't, we don't hurt anybody, we don't preach against anybody, but we set a bar. We imitate Christ. We set the bar. We don't say that we're making the bar, that we uh, are not failing the bar, but we just say there's a bar. And we're all striving. We're pressing towards the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. We're pressing. And when we miss it, family's there to pick us up. This is the one place that you got that there's no rejection there's you're accepted here in the beloved and we would like for you to mess up a little more so we could apply the love of God a little more <laughs> but y'all y'all just are walking it out and so it's like ah come on give me somebody that's roughing around the edges but you can sit in church and you can be critical of the church and critical of the kingdom of God and you'd be right it's not even like your criticism would be stupid or or lies you could stay on the fringes you could uh, you could always be disgruntled and always pointing out things uh, uh, to about the pastor, about the people, or about you know what he's not doing and everything. You c- you can be that, but you will not be initiating relationships. And the family is always comprised of people that not just that I'm willing, but that initiate relationships. You got to be on the offense. Well, that's not my personality. Well, get Jesus into your personality. Because you may be shy, you may be soft-spoken, you may not know how to stand up in front of people. Get Jesus. Because he makes the low places high and the high places low. He straightens out the crooked places. And we all have things and reasons why we are like we are. But he fixes all of them. And you've got to initiate relationships. You've got to have somebody over just so that you'll always be able to say, I had somebody over one time. I took the laundry off my couch and I dusted for the first time since January and uh, and it looked real pretty, you know, and quit comparing your house to my house. I have a sense of excellence in my house and in my car and in my whatever, but just imitate me. Do the best you can if I'm doing it like Jesus would, but don't say I can't do it. I can't have the pastor over because after all, after all, that is so wrong. Y'all say amen real quick before I fall off. You want me to have excellence. You want me to, to be striving and pulling. So here's the key, and I'm going to quit with that. It's two minutes till... It's an hour and two minutes before quitting time. That's what we'll say. Let me just say this. People wonder. It's way back there in the back. But they wonder... Why aren't things working for me like they're working for somebody else? There's nothing hard there. You say, Well, it was I I, I got me some marijuana or I, I cheated on my wife. It, nothing like that. You go, I'm not doing any of that. But stuff, stuff is not lining up with this. It's good and it's better than a lot of people and it's American and, and I'm real happy and I'm not complaining, but it's not this. You want this? It's the little things. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things. And one of the things, help me, Jesus, is that we don't initiate relationships. Relationships are the kingdom. You go, no, it's coming to church, and no, it's reading your Bible, and it's casting out devils. Now, nope. Jesus told all those people, depart from me, I never knew you. Relationships. Now, clicky is not relationships. And we stand against clicky things, like, who are you trying to come into our group? Well, no. But well, we don't have that here. You go, well, I really don't feel like I can have anybody over. I can't really afford to take somebody out. Yes, you can. That's what your faith is for. If you'll ask God, He'll give you. If you'll say, Lord, I want to do a good thing. I want to initiate. I want to be what I haven't been, but... And he'll fix whatever comes after but. He'll fix it. You go, well, I wouldn't want to save up to ha- just have somebody to lunch. Me and my husband could go out twice what it'll take to take them. It'll change your life. Now, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make anything happen. I'm offering. I'm telling you the truth, though. I initiate, just use me for an example for myself, I initiate constantly constantly. I have 90 people, 89 actually, on my birthday list. And I have every day, September 5th, September 7th, September 10th, here, who, this. You go, why does he do that? My motives are pure. I do it because I want to initiate and maintain relationships because they are everything to me. Relationships are everything. Well, I just want to go home and be with my husband and my kids. We all do. But that's not the end of life. That's a good part of life, and you ought to, but we're family. We're family. We're not all white. We're not all black. We're not all anything. We're not all poor. We're not all rich. We're not anything. We've already got a diversity here that just says we're all the same. We never look at anybody and say, I don't know if I want to ask them out. That's all the more reason to. You ought to ask somebody out. Why? Because it's our culture in America. We all respond to somebody saying, let's go to Jack's and get a burger. You go, I got to take them to Evangelines or I got to take them to wherever. No, that's not it. That's not even it. That's that's wrong even to say if you think you have to because you're impressing them. You're just making family. Family, it's okay. Y'all come over for a sandwich after church. Send a card. You don't have to send 90 cards out. But you ought to send some. My list started out small. My list started out with just church people. And then I got their kids. And then I got, and now I, I send cards all over and, and a gift. I send a gift all over the world. And I'm telling you, just, just so you don't think I'm bragging, more money has come into me this year and last year, last year and this year, than in my whole life and I hadn't been better this year than I used to be, I hadn't cleaned up anything, or I don't do that anymore. It's just because I'm sowing family, and family has been sowing back to me. I'm telling you, money comes to me all the time. And people say, I want to do this for you. Okay, <laughs> okay. Used to, I wouldn't let anybody help me, but it's like, yeah, that's okay. And do, how, how do I know to attribute it to family? Because that's what gives me joy, is being with people. And so, I, can you be with everybody? You can get swamped. One thing you can do is if you ever get to where you, you want to just uh, give to everybody that's needy, you'll get your faith swamped. You can't give to everybody that's needy. There's no end to it. You start a soup kitchen, and all of a sudden you find out people don't have clothes, and people don't have a house, and, people, and you, it'll swamp your boat. You've got to be spirit-led. And the spirit-led that's in your life right now is this family. River Church is a family. It's not like we're all the same age and we're all the same race and we're all educated or not. We are all over the map. Start here. Start here. Just call somebody or just write a note to somebody or just sit next to somebody. Well, maybe not in COVID. You might not too, but ha, pay no attention to that. Do what you want. We're, we're glad if you, wear, if you sit and wear and do and we don't care. But you ought to do something. I'm giving you a key that will bring revival to River Church and bring a satisfaction to you. Everybody, Listen, everybody wants family. It's not like we're we're telling you this or that. Everybody wants family, but they don't trust it. And I'm telling you, you can trust River Church. Because I'm in charge, and I'm in. So it's not going to go sideways. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I'm I'm all about revival. I want. Let me, since I've already gone over. Let me see if I can find this. Well, rats must have got mixed in with my joke. Oh, I know where it is. Here it is. Here it is. Confess this after me. I own a revival culture, which begins with my River Church family. I am participating in a family, not an organization. I have dynamic relationships with my spiritual family. I am a glory-carrying son and daughter of my heavenly Father. I am in my place and functioning in my grace. Well, amen. That was a good confession. Praise God. You know, I don't have to stay in Tuscaloosa and I don't have to stay at River Church. Except the Lord told me when we were in Birmingham, He said, move to Tuscaloosa, plant your family there, and stay the rest of your days. Now, I'm telling you, that fixes a lot of stuff. You just go like, am I supposed to move, or is the Lord speaking this? Nope, He spoke it one time, and He just cleared everything out that ever comes up. It's good to know that much, especially if you're a pastor. But I'm telling you, this is where it's at. It doesn't matter what it looks like, this is where it's at. He moved me here because something's happening here. He could have moved me to Oklahoma or Idaho or New Hampshire. Oh, help me, Jesus. And, uh, but he moved me to Alabama. This is sweet home. So y'all are already here. You just didn't move off. I had to move in, but you just didn't move off. Just the same glory carrying power. So I bless you in Jesus' name that this word will stir inside of you and you will let Holy Ghost speak to you and detail it out, and bring His plan for your life, His blueprint, His his plot, His plan, His scheme of doing things for you that's peculiar and unique and specific. He'll imprint you with it, and you'll be filled with a desire to carry out the will of God. You'll be an imitator of Him who is worthy, and your life will change. And the things that you've thought and sought but you just couldn't get to come as you seek first this part of the kingdom and his righteousness. All those things, let me prophesy to you, all those things shall be added unto you. It will not be different, saith the Lord. It will not be different for you. Get ready to be full. Get ready to rise up. Get ready to go to the next place. Pull the trigger, saith the Lord, and it will put you in a new spot. A new place. It'll be your dream come true. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't leave in the rapture without having done the will of God on the earth. And it's coming. You know it's gonna it comes during Rosh Hashanah. Better mow the grass this afternoon. <laughs> it's coming in Rosh Hashanah. If it doesn't come this year, guess what? You, can, you don't have to tell the Lord you love him until next sem- September. And you oh, are, Lord, I love you in September. Amen. Well, God bless you if you need prayer for anything. Wait a minute before we go. Did you turn me off, Barry? Let me just, let me just uh, prophesy to the can- can- camera and tell uh, what the goodness of God. I want to speak the goodness of God. There is an alignment in teeth, a lot of pain in somebody's teeth. And it's because your your jaw is too crowded with teeth. And uh, the dentist has said it's going to take this much to take one out and this, that, and the other. And I tell you, in the name of Jesus, there's going to be an opening in your jaw for your teeth to be settled and the pain will leave. Just claim that. Take that in Jesus' name. And there's a urinary tract infection. And you don't like it and God doesn't like it. So I tell you, in the name of Jesus, that infection goes. Leave their body now in the name of Jesus. And I'll tell you something else. You're looking, you've applied for a job and you need that job, but there's people that you think are more qualified for it and that even know the, the ins and outs of it. But I tell you, in the name of Jesus, the Lord's going to put you in front and you're going to get that job. And it's going to be a blessing and you're going to serve God with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Find a church, get in church. You can't be strong unless you get in church. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Barry.